Stonecutters podcast. Aaron Hankins. Will Callie. Will Callie. And our special guest. Introduce Antoine yourself. Washington. Antoine Washington. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Will. Yo. How you, how you been, bro? Man, I'm I'm feeling I'm feeling the vibe, bro. I've been going nonstop since this morning because uh we we went to escrow today. Okay. Do you know what I'm saying? So I'm following my good brother, my good brother steps, you know, going into this high this homeborn, uh homeborn, this home buying <laughs> going into that phase. So, you know, it's been it's been a nonstop all day, but I'm just happy to be here with with uh my boy. You know, my boy Antoine, we've known each other for a long time. So I'm and it's our first guest that we having on the show, I believe. And well, we've interviewed what we have. We've interviewed uh Betty and Oh yeah, we did interview Betty. I forgot we about interviewed that. Betty. I forgot about that. We also interviewed Dom, which is uh like our Nas, it's like our lost tapes. Got so, you, got you. So that one's out there. So Antoine um is I, the first of is the first in twenty twenty. Is the first is the our first guest in twenty twenty. So Antoine uh, how, how about you just introduce yourself? Uh, go for it. Just go for it, huh? Yeah. Uh, Washington, visual artist, dad, husband. Uh, you know, lover used to be a uh, ladies man uh, back in the day. Not <laughs> <laughs> just playing, but uh, yeah, man. Just uh, that's just who I am, man. Artist, uh, just a chill guy. You know. That's just me. <laughs> That's just me, man. Okay, so let's let's jump into it. You're an artist. What is your medium? What is your medium of choice? Well, my medium of choice is uh, I would say uh, all mediums are pretty much my mediums of choice, but the ones that I, I probably like play with the most is pencil, graphite, and charcoal. So uh, those are those are like kind of like my specialty kind of what you want to call like my go-to weapons. But uh, I'm, I, I call myself like a multidisciplinary artist. You know what I mean? I like to touch every, in every material, everything that I can get my hands on. I, that's what I like to do. So, so on the Stonecutters podcast, we're all about taking action and we're all about, you know, giving people tools, giving people reference points. How, what are some of your go-tos when you get creatively stuck or how do you start new projects like what's the first step for you well uh really uh a lot of times <clears throat> what i do is i pull inspiration from probably like conversations with friends uh me and will we have conversations uh just me and my wife i have conversations i mean just if, if, if hey aaron if you if me and you had conversations i will find something that was said in that conversation and then I usually build off of, off of that uh, initial idea. And then I'll probably read a book, read a newspaper, read something in the newspaper, read something. And then it just continue to build until I, until I feel like this jolt of inspiration. And then I'll begin to actually put it down on paper. But it actually goes into that sequence every time. So mm. I, I literally feel, <clears throat> I, I literally know I'm going to create something. And I'll pop up like two, three in the morning and I just get up. And my wife already know what it is. So I already have my, like in my, uh, in my studio, which is in my house. I just kind of just go down, click on the light, have everything already set up. Cause I already have the canvas or 
paper or whatever it is that I'm going to be working on, I already have it set up. Got so, it. So that's mm-hmm. a good that's a good point. Um, whatever medium that you're working in, whether you're a writer, whether you're an artist who's painting something or drawing something, having a workstation available and having something ready to go. So for people who are listening to the Stonecutters podcast, this is an e- this is as easy as having a notebook. You know, yeah. Tweez, you've you've got a setup and you've got a studio, but some people don't have the space. A notebook yeah. is the next best thing. Yeah. Yeah. So like uh, even with the notebook, like uh, I never I know in our school, they always had us like carry around like these drawing pads <clears throat> and we had to do like thumbnail sketches and we had to do like these these different things to kind of like keep will be we'll, we'll, which we will call like artist notes, like mm-hmm. not not actually writing anything down, but you actually just sketching down ideas and then just playing with loose, loose sketches, loose drawings or whatever. Um, but. I never really was good with that because I hate doing things twice. So I always was like, I hated, I hated that process, but it actually helped me work out ideas and it helped me work out like uh, things that I was on my mind or whatever. So I just get the junk out. But I'm, I kind of, I kind of approach it like a rapper would like how they just go in a booth and just spit it. So after a while, I just learned <clears throat> how to train myself to not do it that way to work everything out in my head and then just go straight to the canvas or go straight to the paper. So oh, now deep. I don't even like sketching. Like I, I just go, I do everything. I work everything out as I go along and I just take it on a journey like that. But that just comes from practice, 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 you know, and actually practicing that muscle and remembering what it is that you want to do and how you want to do it. But I also leave some type of uh, room for, for God to come in and do his thing too. You know what I mean? So. Mm-hmm. Will, Will, you want to say something? Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, how do you, uh, what's that process for an artist that may be listening? Uh, what's that process of it's in your head and then you transfer mm-hmm. it to the canvas? Like what's what thoughts, what, yeah, what's, what's thoughts are going on? How are you uh, compartmentalizing them thoughts in your mind to know exactly how to put things? Just ba- a lot of it is based off of what I took, what I was saying in the beginning is like when I'm having that conversation, I'm already knowing like where I want to, what I want to talk about. So that initial painting or initial idea pops in my mind, but I don't actually try to actually uh, create it exactly how I see it in my mind because I always like to leave some room of, for creativity because mm-hmm. it's almost like you, you, you're uh, copying something from your mind, but you want to leave enough room for to, to, to change things or to, or to adjust things. So mm-hmm. I just kind of just like take that initial idea and start to build off of those initial ideas. It's almost like uh, setting a foundation for like a house. You just set the, set the bricks down and mm-hmm. you know where you want to go with the layout. But then I just begin to, I might want to add a garage or I might want to add, you know, like mm-hmm. a pool in the back. Mm-hmm. So I just leave it open enough where I can do those type of things. But for the most part, everything is just th- those stories, those, uh, those different uh, things that I'm reading, those things begin to play off in my mind. Symbolism. And then I like to leave enough room for emotion. So that also, that also goes in there because I could be feeling sad that day or I could be feeling angry. I could be depressed. I could be happy. I could be whatever. I want to put that and transfer that onto the canvas. Mm-hmm. And so, what colors? Because I just want to take a book, 
take a little bit from that uh, real quick, not to cut my good brother off, because when you're saying, talking about emotions, I'm curious as an artist mm-hmm. for myself yep. um, to know when you're feeling those emotions, what are the colors that you're painting on the canvas? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, like the moods is what you, what you <clears throat> to like the, uh, the different colors that that's that I'm choosing as I'm yeah. going up. Well, that <clears throat> that's that's based on the mood of the piece. Like uh, I'm always basing it off of how do I want this thing to feel, or do, do I want it to be bright? Do I mm-hmm. want it to yell? Do I want it to like be calm? And do I want people to read it, or how how do I want people to approach it? So mm-hmm. I'm always I'm always Color, I never plan out because I always feel like if you plan out the colors, then you already kind of like box yourself into what you can do. You limit yourself. So mm-hmm. I just kind of just, I kind of say, oh, red is going to say this and it's going to speak to this or this color is going to speak to this. So I always try to like use certain colors to to match the emotion that I'm trying to bring into the piece, if that makes any sense. Yeah, so if you're using, say, rage, yeah. for you, what color is that? Uh, rage will probably be an in- intense color, so a lot of times that will more, more likely be in a red. Okay, so if you're using calm, what color would that be? Calm? Calm, yeah. Yeah, oh, uh, calm could be probably pink. It could be a mm. blue. Mm-hmm. But I usually probably go with pink. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, because sometimes, you know, how, how I work, which is dope, is I use different colors to get to different emotions. Like if I'm in a scene and I want to go someplace, yeah. usually if I want to go to anger and rage, for me, yeah. it's usually in my, I don't think about it, but I know it, the emotion of red helps me get there. If I want to get yeah. to sadness, the emotion of blue if I want to be a little bit more funny, that's usually purple for me. So right. I was just curious, you know, to uh, how that works on your end and seeing if the same emotions line up. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Same thing. Same thing. Like, even, like, when you mentioned, like, blue, blues could go, like, if I want something to feel cool, if I don't want, want it to be, if I want to, like, tone something down, you would use, like, some grays. You know what I mean? Like, mm. it's just different. It's just, di- it's kind of just goes off of the mood. Like, so even sometimes... And it, it, depending on the uh, the uh, a green, if it has a lot of yellow in it and it's and it's warm, it can be intense enough to make someone feel like they outside or they feel mm-hmm. like they're inside of a, a room with full of light. You know what I mean? Gotcha. So it's, it, it's all on how you how you interpret it, and then but you got to also know that people are you 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 as the artist is going to interpret it one way, but then the person that's view, viewing the piece, they're going to always have their own interpretation. So no matter how you set it out to be, there's been plenty of times I've been, been at art shows and my piece, I meant it for, to say a whole nother thing, but someone comes up to me and tell me what it says to them. And it means maybe, you know, something totally different. Mm-hmm. Even if I'm blatant with it, it's still, they still come with their own interpretation. So before we dig deeper into current art and current work mm-hmm. that you're working on, there's people that listen to the Stonecutters podcast and they might not have found their calling yet. When did you mm-hmm. find your calling as an artist? I think I, I, think I found it as a, a kid in elementary school, but I think I always knew that, but 
I got caught up watching the bad boy Pistons growing up. <laughs> so, Isaiah Thomas, <laughs> MJ, you know what I mean? Uh, those guys, man, they 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 kind of pulled my heart towards basketball. So, I, I but I always did it. I always knew that I wanted to be an artist. I just I just thought I'm gonna make a I'm gonna make a bunch of money in basketball and I'm gonna sit back and paint. That's how I looked at it. Okay, so, so I always knew. So so it sounds like this is this is a story that I've heard before. This is somebody who had a dream to play basketball and that dream sort of turned into something else. So it sounds yeah. like I'm I'm talking with two former basketball players that have now become Thanks. successful artists. Thanks. Thanks. So, so Will suggested that we bring you onto the Stonecutters podcast. How do you know Will? What's the backstory? Oh, man, this is my guy, man. We went, I mean, we go back to what, almost 20 years, <laughs> man. So, uh, Met him in uh in Iowa, man. Uh, Iowa Falls, Iowa. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was going to Iowa State. I was going to Ellsworth Community College playing ball. He was trying to walk on at Iowa State, but then he ended up coming out to Ellsworth. And then uh, I mean, he he made the team. Uh, I think the, uh, the coach Coach Mullenberg was like, "Hey, how you guys feel about about Will being on the team?" Everybody was like, "He in." So. Like I was uh, and then and then that then that night when he made the team, man, we we literally like kicked it like that whole night, mm-hmm. like just me and him, just like we was like we was like outside in like this hallway, like our our dorms look like a, a looking back at it, it looked like a prison, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I mean you had everybody on there, man. You had the baseball team on one floor, you had the football team on one floor, you had the basketball team on another floor, man. And we all just kind of just bonded that way. But we were just in the hallway, man. And everybody doors was open. We were just all kicking it. And we just sat on the floor, man. We kicked it for like to, to like three in the morning. Just about mm-hmm. just about life and basketball and and just everything. We didn't ever talk about really art. We just talked about really like our upbringing though. So you went to college for art. Now would that cons- are you considered classically trained because you went to college for fine arts? No. I'm pretty much self-taught. I just went, I, I didn't take an art class until I got to college. So really I looked at art. I looked at art like, like I mean, don't get me wrong. I always wanted to take art classes with my mom and they couldn't afford to, to send me. So what I would do is I would just sit, I would just, uh, and that's another reason how, how I trained myself was I would watch like the car, Saturday morning cartoons and I would just remember them and I'd draw from memory. Because back then we didn't have DVR, you didn't have all of that to pause at YouTube. You didn't have all of that, so you just had to remember what the Animaniacs looked like and run and, and get that pad and, and and just remember it. So that's how I kind of trained myself too. But long story short, I didn't when when I got out of uh, when I started going to uh, college for for art, it really was like learning art history. I didn't know anything about Michelangelo. I didn't know anything about none of none of the uh great masters i didn't know anything about that so it it really it really taught me it, it really taught me the history of art and really started teaching me how to actually make fine art if if that makes any sense okay what what would you say the difference between art and fine art is i think i think uh like art i mean you can you can get the guy who can draw Beyonce draw Jay-Z really well and that's just art you know what I mean it has nothing like 
no voice to it. It's just, oh, that guy's talented. But I think fine art is basically a self, it's, it's expression. It's, it's freeing. It's, it's more so like, hey, I can come in and, and make something look nice for your living room, or I can make something look nice to look in the, uh, in a big museum, or I can make something look nice for this show tonight. But I think it's all based on a piece of that artist. You, you're basically getting a piece of them, the artist, the actual artist. You're getting a piece of them, their emotion of what they're thinking. You're getting a piece of them. When you're drawing like celebrities or, you, you know, what a lot of people do like on Instagram, and, and I'm not knocking that. You can do that all you want to, but I think that's just basically, you know, it's kind of like, you going out on the street hooping and you just doing a bunch of tricks. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like mm. hot sauce. You know what I mean? Like, okay. mm -hmm. it's just that, but it's so, it, so it, let's, so let's talk to those listeners because there's somebody right now who's sketching and they want to get to a level where their artistry can be respected. So how does yeah. somebody go from being the person who sketches at Santa Monica pier and he sketches caricatures to somebody who, yeah. does, who creates fine art? What's that step look like? It's integrity. And I think the key word with, with, with art, with fine art or trying to make it to that, to that level is holding the integrity because I think, and not putting a price tag on your art. Like, uh, I think a lot of people be like, well, I want to be this big artist. They set out to be these things, but they, but you already lose the integrity because you, you, you're putting a price tag and limiting your, your, your possibilities on what it is that you can create. So it's not coming from an honest place. So mm -hmm. like I said before, like even with music, we only like the rappers or we only like the music that comes from a real place that we can relate to. So how are you going to connect with an audience if you just, you know, just doing, just showing talent, you, but you're not saying anything. You, your, your artwork is empty. So I think if it doesn't matter how your artwork looks like Bosky, for instance, like, he wasn't a great figurative drawer or he didn't make things look so realistic that it jumped off the page, but he was saying something and it had a lot of emotion behind it. And he connected with a lot of people through color, through the violent uh, strokes or whatever that, that, that he decided to do at that time. He connected through his emotion. He gave you a piece of himself. So I think a lot of people, if you're going to imitate, imitate as long as you can until you find your voice. And I think what it is is that artists just don't know how to find a voice. And that might sound just like, you know, like, like, like I said, relating it to music, like uh, most, most, most musicians, they, they have to find their voice. Like some, most rappers sound like another rapper until they find, find, find their own voice. So the same thing with art, you just have to find your voice. Most actors, I mean, I know Will can probably attest to that too. You might start, you might have to, Imitate Will Smith until you become your own, uh, you know, actor. I mean, you know, mm. I don't know, I don't know the right terminology. For yeah, that. I know what you mean. I know yeah, what you mean. You know that's what that's saying? like that's like Jigga and Jazzo. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I got it. He sound just like Jazzo, but Jigga end up, you know, finding his voice and, and he took off. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that's that's the exact same thing. That person that's in Santa Monica drawing at the pier, it just depends on what you're getting in it for. Is you getting in it for the for for that uh for that kid a hundred years from now that's gonna read your book 
and be inspired to take the torch and take to the next level. If that's what you're doing it for, legacy. Mm-hmm. Pablo Picasso, those guys, if you want to be in those books, that's you gotta follow, you gotta follow that blueprint. Now, how much of that deals with mindset? So the person that's trying to find a voice and getting their skills up at mm-hmm. Santa Monica Pier drawing. Yeah. How much is it to say, I know that I'm drawing at the pier right now, but I see myself at the Bro Museum. Does that come into play of you seeing yourself bigger than where you're at? Yes, yes, you already, you gotta have that, that's what, that goes back to the mindset and what you're playing this game for. It's like, we all been watching what Mike been doing. I mean, this this documentary and the mindset Mm -hmm. that him and Kobe had, right? very similar. You just gotta already see yourself there. Like, I'm not there yet, but I see myself there. So I'm always creating pieces and talking to my wife, talking to people about how I want to continue to keep the integrity of the artwork to a certain point because I want this to tell a story one day here. You know what I mean? Mm, So you have to mm -hmm. see the artwork and you have to see yourself there standing next to the artwork and talking to people. So I, I think the mindset has to be sort of like seeing yourself there and then actually putting yourself there and then creating the work that you want to see there, if that makes sense. Stonecutters Podcast. Uh, You can listen to us on iTunes, YouTube, Google Play, Stitcher, uh, and which one am I leaving out, Will? I got them all. I think think you got them all. Uh, Did you say say Apple? I said Apple. Oh, you did say uh, yeah. Stonecutters Podcast. You can also find us on the website, stonecutterspodcast.com. If you have questions, comments, suggestions, I think we're going to get a lot of comments from this episode. You can send those over, stonecutterspodcast at gmail.com. So, Antoine, before we move on, uh, how can people get a hold of you? Uh, do you have a website? Do you have an Instagram? What's your portfolio? Yeah, yeah. My Instagram, is, Instagram I'm, all, I'm active on there, but I'm not active. So I always say that, but uh, it's Antoine Washington, my name, first and last name. Uh, website, Antoine Washington, same thing. Um, and uh, those are the two two places that I na- I'm mainly on if I'm online. I, get, I do have a Facebook, but I'm hardly ever using it. But you can also contact me on that as well. Same thing, Antoine Washington, everything is that. Okay. Uh, last week, Will talked a little bit about murals. And he talked about uh, you've done some some big pieces of art. So can you just you know tell us a little bit about some of your bigger pieces of art that you've done? Yeah, yeah. So I challenged myself like last year to actually get to start to make bigger work, like building size work. So, uh, but I actually uh, put that on like my vision board like in 2018, and it actually happened. Like I like as soon as I put it up it was like they called me for it and it was like towards the end of the year, like type thing. So I already knew it was coming. And, uh, but yeah, the first one I got was, uh, through, through the city of Cleveland, uh, downtown public square. And it's like, it was like slap dead in the middle of like public square where people, it was like, everybody could see it. It's like literally like a couple of blocks away from the Cavs stadium. I mean, from the queue, but now it's called rocket mortgage, but, it was literally right around the corner from there, right around the corner from uh, Progressive. So literally everybody's seen it. And um, yeah, man, it, it, it was probably one of the, uh, the, the 
probably the most humbling and most biggest, I mean, you know, as an artist to see something that you created that big and see people walking past it and taking selfies in front of it. That probably was one of the, that was, that was a bucket list for me. I'm like, Oh man, I just want to fall out. <laughs> wow. Man. Wow. But it was dope, man. Uh, but that, that pro but, but what, what, what was, uh, different about that that particular mural was that it wasn't something that was that i that i got a chance to like actually touch with my hands on a wall uh that was basically something i did i created it on paper and then i i fused uh graphic design together and then they just printed out the banner you know what i mean so they switch them out like every three months they pick an artist and they switch them out every three months and then i ended up uh Last year, I mean, well, beginning of this year, the end of the end, like the uh, the end of last year, beginning of this year, I started to work on my the actual wall and actually be able to like take my material and, and my practice and actually put it on the wall. That also was like something that was new to me to work that big in scale and to be able to put something up in someone's you know business and and get paid a certain amount of money for 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 like really like only like a few days of work. And it was, I felt like <laughs> I could do this for the rest of my life. Like who, who, who's next? LeBron, come out at me. So that brings up a good question. What's on your vision board right now? What are the, what are the, the, the five-year goals for, for Antoine Washington? I think my first goal uh, for, uh, well, damn, 2020. <laughs> I'm gonna just look to the future now. Nah, I'm gonna say for 2021, um, man, I really want to do a show over in Tokyo, like in Japan, like over there. Like I really want to take my, uh, I really, for some reason, I just been been wanting to do something overseas. But first, I got to tackle the U.S. And so I w it will probably be like bigger shows, doing some stuff in L.A., maybe in New York. And just getting more residencies, um, and just and just constantly building my building my profile and my uh, and my name up. I think that's like my my for for like a five year goal. I think my my goal is to I think my landing spot would be like to travel overseas and show my work on a bigger, broader scale, so people mm. can see me worldwide. Will, did you have anything that you wanted to interject there? Yeah, when you hear the word legacy, mm -hmm. what are the first two thoughts that come to your mind? Ah, mm. oh, man, that's a that's a, that's a tough one right there, man. Because so many things come to my mind when I when I hear legacy. Oh man, make make it a little bit because I go, you know, I kind of go on a tangent. Go do what you need um, to do. I say legacy will actually be. Getting, I, I would say, I will, I, I definitely want to be in them history books where, you know, like how everyone looks up to like a Kerry James Marshall or, or like, I want, I definitely want to be in them auction houses where my pieces are selling for like a hundred million for sure. Like mm -hmm. that's a legacy, but not just that, but just being able to be an inspiration for like the younger artists, the younger black artists in particular, to see a person like me that 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 stood for something and didn't back down and didn't shy away from making true honest artwork 
and for them to be able to take that mantle and take it even further, I want to at least leave something there for 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 them to actually take take further. So I definitely want to make sure that I'm I'm doing doing honest good work for them to be able to take on. So that's another another uh, piece of my legacy that I definitely want to leave behind. And then you know build build a build a brand build a business around the Antoine Washington art. I want my I want my kids to be able to, you know, benefit from that. So one one goal that I do have that I want to do is, you know, and I I I know that they do it overseas, I believe, but is is I want to fight for that goal where artists are getting uh, royalties from their works after they're being sold in these big auction houses because a lot of these pieces they get sold for hundreds of millions of dollars. Basquiat sisters and is you know, nephews and, you know, whatever family members don't even benefit from it because they don't get any royalties off of those works when they get resold. So wow. once, once that artist sells that work to that initial collector, that if he blows up to be a big artist, that, that collector can go make more big, big money off of that piece. But that artist doesn't see any, anything off of that. So I want to, I want to, I want to uh, hopefully change that work play a part in, in, in fighting to change that for, for the future artists as well. So that's a part of my legacy that I would I will love to have on my resume, that I was a part mm. of that. So uh, you, t- you talked about Basquiat and you talked about some other names. Who mm. are some of the artists that you look to as your inspiration, uh, whether black, white, or indifferent? Like, who are some of those uh, inspirations for you? I'll say black side, it would probably be, I mean, I fell in love with Elizabeth Catlett because of it. I love her for sure. She's definitely on my, she's top number one. Um, uh, of course, Carrie James Marshall, I'll say uh, Jacob Lawrence, a lot of, I would say more so like a lot of like Harlem Renaissance artists and, uh, and people from back in those times because they kind of, they kind of painted from a real honest place. Um, from, from, White artists, it'd probably be like a uh, uh, singer, Sergeant. Um, it would be Sergeant Michelangelo. He was a genius. Um, Casso. Uh, who else? Who else? Who else? Not a whole lot of not a whole lot of contemporary stuff because, I mean, I just I love the old stuff. I love the old master stuff. So. A lot of, uh, I would say, like Henry, Henry Ronsu, uh, just just guys like that. You know what I mean? That 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 kind of like, you know, they, they kind of laid that foundation down. I, I really like how where, where they took took the game. I really love the way they 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 did it. Okay, I think we kind of we kind of breezed over this. Where are you living mm-hmm. at right now, and where are you from originally? Okay. Uh, I'm living in Cleveland, Ohio right now, and I'm I'm originally from Pontiac, Michigan, which is like 25 minutes, depending on where you at, 30 minutes away from Detroit. So it's like literally like hop on the freeway, you in the city. You know what I mean? So that's where I'm from. Nice. And speaking of like, you know, being from Pontiac, being from, you know, the Detroit area, mm-hmm. how do you feel, Bad Boys Pistons, <laughs> How do you feel? And you've been watching it. Yeah. Uh, 
do you feel that MJ should forgive Isaiah? <laughs> like, like, where are you at with that whole thing? Aaron is shaking his head. No. I know Aaron is a Nike guy, but I'm <laughs> Isaiah to the death, man. <laughs> Isaiah Thomas, he raised me. You know what I mean? Like, I learned how to fight watching the Bad Boy, bad boy Pistons. You know what I mean? Isaiah, I grew up watching him with cuts on his eyes. Man, the littlest guy on the court with the biggest heart. He was Iverson before Iverson was Iverson, man. What you mean? He was giving Jordan the fits. I mean, but right. Jordan is my guy, so I'm not going to take anything away from him. He's the greatest of all time, no doubt. But if Isaiah was 6'6", go. Right. Go. <laughs> the things Isaiah used to do, man, go. You know what I mean? So, no, but – Bad boys, bad boy Pistons, always had like this, 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 this in my heart. Like I grew up watching Rodman before everybody. Everybody, I grew up watching John Sally. I mean James Edwards, the Buddha. You know what I mean? Land Beer with the first, first five that stepped out, stretch five that we seen. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. He was stepping out to the three point line, knocking them down. I mean Mark Aguirre. Vinny Microwave. You know what I mean? We had Joe Dumars, man. We had guards. We had we had a squad, man. You know what I mean? Some some of the toughest. And I and get, don't get me wrong, I was a I was little. I, I didn't understand the game, but I just seen how they had the city coming up, being a kid. Man, nothing was like it, man. Nothing was like it, man. Mm. So hey, shout out to Jordan though. Uh, right. <laughs> <Here you> go. <laughs> so so while we we're going to wrap up here in a minute Antoine but I wanted to ask you a question uh okay. we're help, we're helping our listeners out can you give us a time in your life where you were stuck you didn't know how you were going to get through and what were some of the things that you did to sort of help yourself persevere Man I had to say like uh this probably was right before I started like going hard at the at at, at my art practice Man, it probably was when I was working my night working at nine to five at the post office. Man, I probably was probably was like my worst. How long, I was probably at how, my long lowest. Were you at the, how long were you at the post office for? I was there for like four years, man, and I was like depressed, man, being on that job, man. I used to be like, man, because I couldn't, man, it, I didn't have time to create. Man, I was I was low, you know what I mean? Like I was I was making money, but it was man. Sometimes you would just be like, man, for the money, I just want to be happy. Mm. And uh, I remember, like, uh, my uh, my union uh, person came to me. She was like, "Hey, I see you. I see you drawing. I love your artwork. I think that. I think. I think that's. You need to go do that." And she told me that, man. And I felt it. So I felt it in my gut. Like she telling me to quit. You know what I mean? <laughs> like <laughs> she telling me to quit. You know what I'm saying? So. I went to talk. I talked out. I talked it out with the wifey man, and uh, you know, it it wasn't time. <laughs> she like, wait, hold on, we got bills, we got hold on. Right. But uh, I ended up having my daughter, and then uh, I, I, I it afforded me to be able. To, one of us had to stay home, so I told her. I said, "Hey, well, if I stay working, you you know, I'll just pay. I'll pay for daycare. You know, what I'm saying we we'll just work it out in that way." But then she ended up making way more money than me in her career. So it worked out for me. So I said, you know what? While I'm at the crib raising my daughter, I'm about to go hard at this art. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. so that gave me actually 
you know, uh, the, 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 the wherewithal and the leeway to actually go hard. So I just went and bought all the paint, all of the stuff that I needed, and I just went super hard at the art. And then my career just kind of just, just kind of just, it went. You know what I mean? And I just started, my name started going in the city. And then I just, the opportunities just start flooding in, man. And I've just been grateful ever since. And I ain't looking back. I'm like, hell no. Nah. I'm not, I'm never going back to a job. <laughs> no, but that probably was like my lowest, my lowest point. But it really, it really took that support from my wife and literally like just having conversations with Will, seeing like how, I know his story, you know what I mean? And seeing how he actually transitioned into where he was going and the things that, hey, when I was working, some of the stories used to tell me, I'm like, oh man, I gotta make sure my guy is good. You know what right. I'm saying? Right, oh, yeah. I know I'm in my head, you up and it's like, yo bro, can you can you shoot me like a hundred? I'm like a hundred short on the rent. Facts, 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 yeah. man. But, it, but it's, but I understood, I understood, I understood it because I, I knew that that's one day that that's probably where I was gonna be at because I knew that that wasn't me. You know what I mean? And then when you when you when someone at work can see it in you, when you even can't really see it for yourself, then I I, I took that as a sign as like, yeah, this, I'm not supposed to be here. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like if if this person that 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 doesn't know what's really going on sees, you know, she. They follow me on Facebook or on Instagram or something. They see me when I got a little time to post something up, and they like, wait, hold on, you could, you did that, you in the wrong place. And then people started work. You, why are you here? Like, <laughs> like you know what I'm saying? I'm like, I don't know. I started saying I don't know. And then right, right. With that, but that opportunity opened up. But I, it could have been different, guys, because I could have left the job and I could have sat on my behind and nothing would have happened. So. It still took me, I still had to go through that process of actually working my behind off too. So it's mm -hmm. not like it just happened because I left. No, yeah. it happened because man, I would be up two, three in the morning, like literally like, I'm not lying. I would get up two in the morning if something hit me, man, and I literally go and I'd be up all night just painting and painting. I think that attributed to, to a lot of like, when, when, when I had went through, went through that health scare with, with myself with the, uh, with the stroke. Cause I wasn't getting added. I wasn't getting rest. I was eating bad. I was just focusing in on the work. You know what I'm saying? And I, and mm -hmm. I wasn't, I wasn't taking care of myself. Mm -hmm. I was just so locked in, but, and I think, I think it just, you know, it just went that way, but it was a blessing in disguise too, because I was able to persevere through that as well with, with art. So art has just been helping me, you know what I'm saying? Get through a lot of things that I've been going through trials and tribulations wise. So I'm grateful, man. It's really inspiring. So it sounds like, and, and uh, tell me if I'm wrong. Do you think mm -hmm. that we can get to our dreams without having to go through the lows? Yeah, I think we can. Because I think, I think, I think you need, I think you need, I think you need those losses to build character. But I also think, I mean, it's just no different than a kid who's just, like a prodigy, you know what I'm saying? You got some kids that's just born to do it, like LeBron, like, what the hell? I mean, he went through something, but man, you can't teach. You mean, he, look how big he is, look what he became. It, that wasn't hard, that was easy. You know what I mean? So, like, but of course, he probably had a hard, hard upbringing, 
for that short period of time. But once he got to high school, we knew he was going to the NBA. So it was like, you already knew. So I think like, yeah, human, human life, I mean, you're going to have problems and issues and you're going to have certain things and you're going to have to bump your head to learn. But I think necessarily to get where you want to be, you don't necessarily need to do, do that. If you got the talent and you believe in yourself, then you can you can go to the moon if you want to. Man, should, I mean, we can do whatever we want to put our minds to. We all, mm-hmm. I, I mean, hell, I'm pretty sure you got the Nike that way. You know what I mean? Like, like you, that probably been your dream to, to to work for that company, and you, you you saw it. Nobody else probably seen it. You know what I mean? So, but hey, at the end of the day, Will saw it. <laughs> Say Will saw it for sure. For sure. But you, but that's that's why I go. It goes back to putting yourself around people who believe in you too, because that also helps in that mindset, help you with that, you know, going through, you playing through your mind because those demons are begin to talk to you and tell you, you ain't good enough. You can't do this. You can't do that. Oh, you can't do this. And we all know, hey, once, them get, once they get to talking, if you're not strong enough mentally, you're done done. You know what I mean? So you need sometimes you need that homeboy that'll come through when you have when he don't know you down, and he don't know that them demons is talking to you. But and, and he's strong enough to fight them off, but he weak that day. And he give you that you call or he call you and he say, bro, just hang in there, man. You can do it. That little boost it gets you to the get you over the hump for that day. You know what I mean? You need yeah. that. Mm-hmm. You need that. What I was picking up from that was that some of the lows are unnecessary and they're happening because you're not in the right place. Exactly. So I can identify what the lady's saying. What are you doing here? Even though sometimes you got to go through, you know, yeah. some things, but I remember being at Bottega Louie and my manager came to see my one man show. And after the show, I had to work there next day, put on my apron, tied around my back, fresh, clean, white shirt, tie on, black tie, ready, ready to go to work and say, you know, welcome to, Bale- welcome to Bottega Louie, blah, blah, blah. He says to me when I get there, what are you doing here? I just witnessed uh, a, a <laughs> magnificent masterpiece of work that you just did on stage. Right. What are you doing here? Right. And when he said that right. to me, I was like, well, what am I doing here? <laughs> you know? But I knew I was supposed to be there for a certain time. But yeah. what it did was that was that little push to say, here's my manager who knows me from work and come see what I'm called to do. Yeah. Reminds me to follow what I'm called to do. So I know that people that listen to the Stonecutters podcast right now, what Aaron, make, uh, Aaron mentioned, how do you know your calling? Yeah. These are the things that will highlight and indicate where your calling is. People will begin to say, well, what are you doing? Oh, you should be doing that. So don't abandon the thing that comes natural to you. LeBron, the basketball came natural. Yes, he went through some things. I'm so he still go through some things at different levels with different uh, ideas and deals and all that. But this man got on his back, chosen one. He knows he's called to do this work. MJ knew he was called to do this work. We all have, ironically, until you just had a son, uh, uh, Antoine, but we've all had, we all have girls. Yeah. And we all have children. So it's like, I'm already thinking 
about her mommy, I'm not even thinking about a nine to five that she would ever go to work a nine to five. I'm seeing and studying her to see what she gravitate towards because I'm trying to locate her gift because the gift is what makes room for you. Not your wisdom, not your knowledge that help you keep it. But if you can tap into that gift, which I'm so excited, I'm so excited to get on the call with you guys because I'm like, here's a person that can do so many different things. And I'm talking about Antoine got a nasty spin move that nobody can stop on the basketball court. And Antoine really could have went to the league. The only thing that stopped Antoine from going to the league was that knee injury. And it took him some time. And that's when then he's doing what he's supposed to do. But you found your calling. You found the thing that gets you up in the morning. When you're talking about inspiration at two in the morning, three in the morning, some people wake up and they go back to sleep. Yeah. But you're saying, I have to get this thing out of me that, yeah. that, that is waking me up. And so our listeners, look for the thing that is waking you up. Look for the thing that is keeping you up at night. Nike kept Aaron up at night. Art is keeping Tweez up at night. Acting and being a mogul and an icon and playing Teddy <laughs> Pendergrass one day, you know what I'm saying, is waking me up at night, okay? So make sure you look for those things. And I always tell people, when you listen to the thing, pay attention and take what's for you. Make sure you just be very detailed because some of the things that were said in this podcast, you can really take and run with it for the next 10 years. Yeah, man, I, 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 I can attest to that, man. And I mean, any artist that, uh, you know, that's up and coming, like I said, just continue to uh, keep the integrity of your art. Don't, don't sell yourself short. Believe in, believe in what you're saying. Stand on what you're saying because people know when you're lying. People know when you're not telling the truth. Um, and I think that's the reason why I've got as far as I've got is that, is that I just stay true to who I am. And I don't try to be nobody else. I don't try to like impress people like art, the snoozy, fancy people that's in art. Cause it can get real bougie and real like, you know, snooty when you start getting up, getting up higher and higher in levels. And, and, and I think what people, what people get and, and don't realize is that you just be yourself when you walk in those rooms and when you're doing your work, you just be yourself. Like, you don't have to like. You don't have to go through, uh, go to Yale or go to Harvard to to make it in the art world. You just have to just be good at what you do, and just keep pushing your hand, and you will be good. You'll be fine. Trust me. Now I'm not saying everybody's gonna make it. I'm not saying that everybody. It's for everybody, but you know, whatever making it is for you, just be content with that, and then you will see the sky gonna open up for you. Word, word. I just, I just did the woo because Aaron comes up with all the titles for the episodes, and you said something. I just want to know if you catch that. That could be a title, but he comes up with all the titles. <laughs> so, so I will let him do that. Lastly, man, I just want to say, you know, we always pick different names of people that may be listening now, in the past, and in the future. Um, what would you say to Katie? that wants to be an artist, but she's fearful of her gift, knows that she's talented, but she doesn't want to really, she's afraid of the rejection of people judging her art, so she keeps it to herself. What do you say to Katie right now for her to get to the next step, or what does that look like for her? 
I tell her to, uh, I tell her to get out of her, get, get out of her own way. Tell the demons to shut up. Don't listen to, to yourself talk you away from greatness. I mean, I think that's what, I think that's what we all had to do standing here. I mean, that's what, that's why Aaron is where he is. And that's where you, where you, why you are where you're at is the fact that we got out of our own way and just allowed that positive, that positive voice in the, in the belief in ourselves that we can be there is where, is, is, is where, is the reason why y'all in the opposite. See y'all big time. I haven't made it there yet in the art world yet, but we're we going to have episode episode two when I when I get there, for sure. You know what I mean? But you guys, but you guys, like I said, you guys are inspiration to me, too, as well, because I know a little bit about Aaron's story just by listening to the podcast, and I know about your story, Will, because I know you personally. But that's what I would say is, like, just get out of your own head, get out of your own way. I mean, it's, it, it's nothing worse than you telling yourself what you can't do. You know what I'm saying? Like, that that's that's like – that's like hell on earth is, is, is knowing that you, that you talented and doing it, but then you're talking yourself out of doing it. So, and then you look back 40 years, like, like somebody told me, uh, like an old person told me, said, if you want to, if you want to know where regret is, go to the grave, go to a cemetery. It's, it's, it's billion dollars worth of ideas. It's trillions of dollars worth of ideas in the cemetery and go to an old folks home and they'll tell you, at, at 90 years old, I wish I would have did this. I wish I would have just tried it. I wish I would have just so just try it. Mm. What what what's gonna hurt you if you're shooting a shot? That's why Jordan was great, and that's why Kobe was so great. Is because their menta- mentality was like hell. What, what Jordan say? They said what about the last shot? Who gonna take the last shot? Me. He said it would. It didn't even. It wasn't a thought in his mind to be like, well. It, Will Barkley take it? Will, will, will Magic take it? Me, I'm taking it. He on the team full of, full of Hall of Famers and greats. I'm taking the shot. So you got to come in the room like I'm taking the shot. And he says, me. That's a stupid Fact. question. <laughs> Fact. <laughs> Fact. Hey, oh, man. Got to come in there like that. Just like, just like Lil Wayne called, it, called himself the, the greatest rapper alive for like so many years. And we were like, you know Jay Z is still still rapping right now, right? You know that these guys are still rapping, but then now we look back on it, and he told us what it, who what it was, and he became that. So it's like it doesn't matter what someone is trying to put on you or projecting on you. It's all about what you see for yourself and, and how what you speak into your own self. You know what I mean? That's what I that's what I see. I mean, hell, Jay Z got niggas calling them God. So I'm like, <laughs> 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 at the end of the day, man, I'm like, hell, if you believe it, you can achieve it. <laughs> so, Antoine, I wanted to say something. You're on our level because you're taking action, because you're getting out of your own way. You're already on our level. So, I wanted to say thank you uh, for being on the Stonecutters podcast. Appreciate y'all, bro. Yeah, really appreciate it, and I, and I and we will have you back on again uh, once you've achieved one of your vision board uh, accomplishments. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. I, 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 I'm gonna text both of y'all. <laughs> We're gonna see nah. it. We're gonna see it. So, yeah. all right, Stonecutters Podcast. We out. Peace.